are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Wednesday draft day. Also, are you still recovering from the Drew Holiday trade? We've got a lot to cover. We are going to look at the draft that's happening tonight. It's going to be in the third segment of the show. Don't forget live YouTube show with me and Locked On Live. I'll give you more details on that in a second. But we're going to start off today's show getting the, uh, the pick specifics from the Drew Holiday to the Milwaukee Bucks trade. And then I want to look at Eric Bledsoe. A lot of people are saying the Pelicans aren't going to keep him. They're going to try and move him. But is that going to be the case? And let's look at him as a player and how he might fit here in New Orleans. Then we're going to get into the updated and finalized coaching staff for your New Orleans Pelicans. And the NBA released the schedule format for next season. We'll dive into that as well in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Before we get to all of that, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Okay, so if you haven't listened to the emergency podcast that I literally rolled out of bed for in like the middle of the night, or at least I had been almost asleep, to record uh, talking about my instant reaction to the Drew Holiday trade, spoiler alert, it's good. But go listen to more specifics on that. I've had a lot of people ask me these questions on Twitter. It's covered in yesterday's show. So go listen to that if you have not yet. And it's going to give you a really good rundown on how this got done. What to expect going forward to some degree? Why now? Why this trade? Why move Drew Holiday? Why should you be excited if you're a Pelicans fan about getting these three first round picks, two pick swaps, and then Eric Bledsoe and George Hill coming back to New Orleans in exchange for beloved player Drew Holiday? So we got more specifics. This comes courtesy of Bobby Marks over at ESPN and Andrew Lopez and uh, at Woj as well. And we've got the specifics on what the picks were. It was going to be a little complicated because the Milwaukee Bucks do owe another pick and you can't owe consecutive first round picks. But when you look at this, this is a, it makes the trade a little bit better for New Orleans. So the picks are they're receiving the 24th pick, which is for Indi- which is Indiana's pick owed to Milwaukee. And now it's coming to New Orleans. So the Pelicans have the 13th and 24th pick in tonight's draft. In 2024, they have the right to a pick swap. In 2025, unprotected first-round pick. So in five years from now, they have an unprotected first-round pick. In 2026, they have the right to a pick swap because you can't owe consecutive years. And then in 2027, another unprotected first-round pick. I have said all along, and you guys have heard me on this show for months now, saying if the Pelicans were getting first-round picks back in this draft, you want to push those out as far as possible. Well, 2025 and 2027 is pretty far to push out a first-round pick. Giannis is likely going to sign a Supermax and re-sign with the Milwaukee Bucks for four years, five years. Well, these picks that the Pelicans would be getting back outlive that contract, at least right now. That's a really good thing. As long as the Bucks have Giannis, he's pro- they're probably going to be good. These picks have a chance to not be in the 25 to 30 range with them being pushed out that far. It also likely means they outlived Drew Holiday on that team too. So the Pelicans did a very good job pushing these picks as far down the line as possible. Picks are very valuable. They become less valuable when they turn into players. 
And these picks aren't turning into players for a really long time. The Pelicans probably won't even make these selections. They're likely going to be put into a trade and moved on at some point in the future. But these picks are valuable because they are so far out. And it could be that the Bucks go through a very rough rebuilding phase during that stretch if Giannis leaves after four or five years. And all of a sudden now they're a bad team and the Pelicans own their first round picks. This is a very good trade for New Orleans, suffice to say. Now, it also sounds like the Pelicans are giving up the 60th pick in tonight's draft, sending it back to Milwaukee where it came to New Orleans from the Nikola Mirotic trade. Don't care. Don't even really want that pick, to be perfectly honest. So I kind of like that deal just for New Orleans to like make it one less thing we need to worry about. So Eric Blood said the player coming back in the deal. I- I've done a lot of radio and TV this day talking about the trade, and I haven't talked about him at all because the picks are really the main thing coming back to New Orleans in this deal. But Eric Bledsoe is not a bad basketball player. He's not as good as Drew Holiday, but he's not a bad basketball player. A lot of people are knocking him because he was a complete no-show and basically choked in the playoffs for the Milwaukee Bucks when they needed someone, anyone to step up and carry some of the burden that Giannis carries. He he, He was not up for the task. But he did have a pretty good regular season, and he's a pretty consistent player. So getting him back in this deal, as much as we all want to think New Orleans is going to try and flip him, he might be a negative asset right now. I don't think he has much value around the league. He's owed $18 million this coming season, then $19.375 million next year. So two more years on his contract. It's not great. And so... Because of that, if there's not a willing trade partner who wants to take on that money for the production he gives you, well then, New Orleans might be stuck with him for at least part of the year. I could see the Clippers being a realistic trade target um, to to acquire him. Same for the Dallas Mavericks because he wouldn't cost that much, but you're still going to have to match that salary. It becomes kind of complicated at that point, and I don't know if that's necessarily something you want. You, you don't want a three or four year deal that you have to take on just to get rid of Eric Bledsoe. He actually can be a productive player and give you a lot of the production that Drew Holiday did. He's a pretty good defender. He is definitely an above average defender, not an all NBA guy, but a fringe all NBA guy. And that type of player, when you're still trying to improve the defense, yeah, it's it's still kind of, you know, a useful thing. He's better at stealing the ball than Drew Holiday is. He contests out on the perimeter three-pointers better than Drew Holiday does. And this all comes from the B-Ball Dash Index, which you've really got to check out. This has become a really useful player evaluation tool for me. Um, and he's pretty good at at least stopping guys from dribbling and attacking the basketball. He's not amazing at it, but he does just as good enough. Interior-wise, matched up against Biggs, not nearly as good as Drew Holiday. Drew's got a lot more switchability, but at least on some of the perimeter stuff, yeah, you can then at least trust that he will be out there and hold his own. It's a downgrade from Holiday, but I wouldn't say it's you know a huge, huge drop-off. Offensively, they are different players. They are not quite the same. Drew Holiday is good as a spot-up shooter. Eric Bledsoe is not, but Eric Bledsoe is much better at a pull-up three-point shot. So with the ball in his hand, dribbling, 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 and trying to create a shot, if he gets some room, he can make those threes at almost 40%, 39.6 on pull-up three-point shots. I don't think that's pretty bad. In fact, that's pretty good. I don't mind having a guy who can at least kind of create and hit those shots when New Orleans, at least from the guard position, hasn't always had this sort of luck with that. He's a pretty good guy off ball. He at least moves a lot and is willing to 
move around and run through cuts and try and kind of create things. He's better off screens than Drew Holiday was. Drew was not the most consistent offensive player, though Eric Bledsoe is not great in that. And he's a better isolation player than Drew Holiday was. He shoots 63.6% in isolation. He also draws um, fouls 15, 16% of the time in isolation. That is significantly better than Drew Holiday. Drew scored 55.4% of the time. That was his E-field goal percentage in isolation. He only drew fouls in ISO situations 6% of the time. So to a degree, Eric Bledsoe is three times better at him than that. When you've got Zion Williamson and you're going to be drawing a lot of fouls, having a guy that will at least draw those and get to the line and continue that advantage for the team It's a useful player to have. He creates for others through that aggressiveness that he has in isolation wanting to attack. Is he going to work with Brandon Ingram, with Zion Williamson? I'm less certain of that, but at least it's a skill that he has that can work. And he's a pretty good uh, free throw shooter for his career. He's 80, 79% from the line. That's fine. That's going to create a lot of points for New Orleans in the half court this season when things slow down for him. And they will. So this isn't to say he's an amazing player. He's not worthy of a first round pick for another team, at least not right now. And I doubt he will be. But you know what? You could do worse in downgrading from Drew Holiday to him. And for the team that wants to be competitive next season, we'll get into part of this because the playing tournament stuff was announced today. Well, he can probably help you get to the 10th seed. I truly think that. George Hill, look, George Hill, veteran presence, good three-point shooter. It's kind of it. Some backup point guard minutes. Not as worried about him. It's Eric Bledsoe is the guy that you're really looking at here in New Orleans. I think they will try and move him, but I don't think it is a guarantee that he doesn't play a minute for New Orleans. So coming up, oh, hey, yeah, they announced the Pelicans full-on assistant coaching staff the other day. That got lost in the shuffle of the Drew Holiday trade. We also have some of the schedule information format coming out. We'll talk about that. And then it's draft night. Oh, yeah. Now the Pelicans have the 24th pick. Some guys they might target there. A couple other notes from draft night as we gear up for all of this. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. I eat one of these every single day for lunch after I work out. They are really awesome. And they're awesome because you've never had anything like them before. Protein bar, chalky, dry, doesn't taste all that good. Yeah, that's not Built Bar whatsoever. These things are delicious and you're going to think you're eating a candy bar. They're soft. They're easy to chew. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. They've got delicious flavors like toffee almond, coconut, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, German chocolate cake. I can go on and on and on. I don't even have a favorite. These things are just all so damn good. Built Bars are great for the health conscious person that's looking to lose or maintain weight. And these bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein and high in fiber. They have some that are 19 grams of protein and 180 calories or just 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories. Means after spending an hour on the treadmill, if you eat one of these, you haven't wasted that time because the calorie count is so low. And if you want to try them, go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on. You're going to get 20% off your next order. That is promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. So it's draft night, and that means live draft programming because the NBA draft is finally here. The Locked On Podcast Network is going to have live draft coverage this year on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. It's all at Locked On Live. It's going to be the only place you can find the GOAT of draft analysis, Chad Ford, who hosts Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, exclusively part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Only place you're going to be able to find him, Brad Rowland of Locked On Hawks, and David Locke for the most in-depth coverage of the NBA. And it also is going to feature analysis from Jeremy Wu of Sports 
Illustrated. Follow it locked on live on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch to get alerts as soon as they go live. And I will be live on my YouTube page hanging out with all of you guys. I'm going to watch the draft. You're going to watch the draft. Let's all just get together and talk about it virtually, of course, on my YouTube page. It's pinned on my Twitter account, at Nola Jake. Go make sure you get that ready to go. We'll go live like 15 minutes before the draft starts. We're just going to hang out. It's going to be fun. It'll be nice. We'll talk some basketball. We'll talk Drew Holiday. We'll talk Stan Van Gundy. We'll probably talk the assistant coaches, which is what we're about to talk about right now. Okay, so the Pelicans have officially announced the assistant coaching staff. I know this is something that a lot of people had really been craving to hear, hoping for some big names. Will Weaver, anyone? No, he's in Houston. Uh, looking to join the coaching staff, hoping to make a big splash with that. Not not really, not a ton of big names on this, just solid basketball people. We already knew about Bob Byer joining the staff, a longtime assistant coach for Stan Van Gundy. We knew that Fred Vinson was going to be staying in New Orleans as the start of his 11th year with the team, kind of like a shot doctor and a guy that they are very high on and someone everyone is very happy that the team is retaining. Uh, there's also going to, they're also still going to retain Darnell Lazare, who worked last season as a player development coach with the Pelicans. He's back this year. And some of the more other news, things that are a little bit different, we're seeing Teresa Witherspoon return for her second season with New Orleans. She was a two-way development player coach last year. Well, she has been promoted and is going to be on the bench. Yes, a female assistant coach on the bench for New Orleans. This is a big deal when you look at the diversity in the coaching staff and the front office, Swin Cash, having a major role with this team. Other pe uh, people in there with different backgrounds. The Pelicans are building a diverse front office and coaching staff to hopefully always have someone that can relate to players and in different ways. This is exactly what you want to see the team try and do. This is very cool to see her uh, g moving up and going to be on the bench with the team. Some of the other names here, Casey Hill is going to be an assistant coach with the Pelicans this season. He spent the past two years with the Los Angeles Clippers under Doc Rivers. He also served as the head coach of the Clippers G League affiliate, the Agua Caliente Clippers, um, during their inaugural season. He's going to be added to the bench here. Rex Walters is also being added to the bench with the Pelicans. He served as an assistant under Stan Van Gundy in uh, Van Gundy's last season with Detroit. He's most recently with the Wake Forest University basketball team. And he also spent a number of years, eight seasons, as the head coach for the University of San Francisco. Two postseason appearances during his tenure there. Some other names you may have heard of in this one. Corey Brewer is joining the Pelicans as a player development coach. He spent 13 years in the league. We probably have mentioned his name unlocked on Pelicans at some point as someone we wanted the Pelicans to trade for. Well, now he's going to be an assistant coach um, here. He had spent some time um, with a number of organizations. He's got career averages of 8.7 points per game, 2.8 rebounds, and solid Defense stops in Minnesota, Dallas, Denver, Houston, Lakers, OKC, Philadelphia, and Sacramento. That is not too bad of a run to play for 13 years in the league. Bino Udry is also joining the Pelicans as a player development coach. He'd served as an assistant coach for the New York Knicks G League affiliate, the Westchester Knicks, uh, during the 1920 season. He'd played in the NBA for a while and on the Slovenian national team. He also... Played under Stan Van Gundy in Detroit. 
And then finally, Brian Ormandy is beginning his fourth season as the Pelicans video coordinator after serving as the assistant video coordinator from 2015 to 2017. So he's been here for a little while um, with the rest of the team. Also worth mentioning, Brandon Demas is still going to be a player development assistant here. That's one of the great stories of a former ball boy working his way up with the organization, getting a chance, and now sticking with the team and coaching in the league. Very awesome to see. There you go. It's not the big sexy names you're all hoping for. It's just a solid group of coaches that's hopefully going to get the most out of these players. So very quickly, the NBA released the scheduling matrix. I don't even know what you would really call this this damn chart thing here, but they've announced kind of the format that you're going to see the season resemble next year. They're going to release the actual schedule in two badges. You're going to get the first half, well, first, around the start of training camp, and then they're going to release the second half of the schedule because they know they're probably going to have to change some things around due to COVID travel and all of that. So... It's going to be a 72-game regular season. We already knew this. The Pelicans will play a total of 30 games versus the East, exactly the same as it always is, one home, one away. And they're going to face the other 14 Western Conference teams three times apiece, either two on the road, one at home, or one at home and two on the road. They've announced some of how it's going to work to a degree. It's a little confusing. We'll talk more about this tomorrow as we can dive into it and also break down the draft. But it's out there. You can go take a look. You can see who the Pelicans are playing at home, who they're going to play on the road, exactly how many times. Yeah, it just kind of is what it is. I don't like it. I'm going to save that for a different day. I'll also probably talk about it on YouTube with you all tomorrow when we go live. So coming up, draft night. Let's talk a little bit more about that, what to expect um, for what should be a pretty fun and unpredictable evening. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from here Monday through Friday for you all. And make sure you listen to the damn show when you're subscribed, by the way. So many of you all on Twitter asking me questions that I covered yesterday. Come on now. Give it a listen. We cover it all here for you. I know what you want to hear. We give you shows about that. Make sure you listen to them and also subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. All right, it's draft night, which should be pretty unpredictable. Again, we're going to be live on YouTube. Go check out my Twitter. It's at Nola Jake. All you got to do is click, watch, and follow along live. We'll be live streaming as a kind of a watch party. I'll be watching the draft. You're watching the draft. Let's just talk about it. Kind of have some fun. Uh, create a bit of a sense of community, you know, separately, of course. But it should be a lot of fun. We did it for the lottery, and that was a great time. So we'll do it for the draft. We'll go basically live as, as long as I can keep talking and as long as things don't get a little too crazy. It should be a lot of fun. I can't wait. So make sure you come and join us. Again, YouTube, it's on there. It's like a weird numbered lettered link. It's not anything fancy, but just make sure you check it out. So this draft should be pretty unpredictable, and I'm kind of excited for it. We kind of know who the top 10 players are for the most part, but the order that they're going to go in is going to be kind of nuts, and that's going to create some maybe last-minute trades of teams trying to move up and get a guy that they really want. If Killian Hayes falls to 9 or 10, does a team later on or even the Pelicans get really excited and try and move up and try and draft them, especially now that the Suns don't really need a point guard since they traded for Chris Paul? What if a guy like Okongwu from USC starts to fall? And I could see that happening too. Does a team want to draft up and get maybe the best big or the second best big in this draft? And a guy who's got an unbelievable motor and I think is going to do really well at the NBA level. What about Tyrese Halliburton? What if Denny Avija kind of falls? An all-around kind of playmaking small forward wing that you could have. If any, you know, any of those guys could go between four and 10. And if one starts to fall, it might create some movement in this draft. And that's kind of the unpredictability 
that's going to just make it really fun to watch and I'm excited about. The Pelicans have some good options at 13. You've heard me select Sadiq Bey out of Villanova from there. I also do like Tyrese Maxey and Kyra Lewis Jr. as well. But now they also have the 24th pick. So who are some guys that they might look to at 24 to try and draft? A couple names to keep an eye on since we don't really have time to go into deep profiles on all of them. And frankly, the Pelicans might package this pick to try and move up. Desmond Bain out of TCU, I definitely think is going to be a guy that is going to be on the Pelicans radar if they keep the 24th pick in this draft. He is a straight up very, very good shooter. And I could see the Pelicans wanting to add some more shooting in the backcourt. This is a guy who's probably going to shoot 37, 38% from three at the NBA level. He shot 44% in uh, TCU last year on six and a half attempts per game. That's really good. He averaged 16.6 points per game, four assists, six rebounds. He gives you some depth. He's got decent size at 6'5", a pretty good wingspan too. He's just overall a, like a solid player. The only issue with him is he's going to be 22 by the time the season starts. That age as a senior out of TCU, not great and not working for him. He's also not good whatsoever at getting to the free throw line. You could even see a guy like Jalen Smith, Maryland, uh, big that we've talked about as an option at 13, be there at 24. If he is, New Orleans probably going to jump on that. Also, keep an eye out for Josh Green, freshman shooting guard out of Arizona. He's got a tremendous wingspan, 6'10 wingspan on basically a 6'6 body. That is very, very good. Defensively, he is sound on the perimeter trying to lock down defenders. His three-point percentage will just be okay, but he's great at forcing steals. He's great at rebounding, particularly on the offensive uh, end, and he doesn't turn the ball over. Just a complimentary piece that you can get at 24, I think, makes a lot of sense. And a name that's kind of been flying up draft boards to some degree that I think might not be there at 24, but could and is worth keeping an eye on. If you're looking for another big, keep an eye on Paul Reed, the power forward out of DePaul. Again, age working against him. He'll be 21 years old, almost 21 and a half by the time the season starts. But he is a sound defender. He blocks shots, he rebounds, and he is a rim protector. 2.6 blocks per game last season, 10 boards, 15 points, alongside 1.6 assists, and almost two steals per game. Just a very good, solid, big man defender who's bouncy, that can be a pick-and-roll finisher. Not really quite the court spacer that you would like. That might go against him here. I don't think his three-point shot's going to do all that well at the NBA level, but he at least has it. I don't know. Maybe that helps somewhat. Worth keeping an eye on. Also worth keeping an eye on. Do the Houston Rockets trade James Harden or Russell Westbrook? That might influence this draft as well. Charlotte Hornets can kind of be in play for a number of different things, I think. I don't know. It's going to be a fun, unpredictable night. I can't wait. Make sure you join me on YouTube as we go live and just have a hangout watch party for it. May as well. Should be a lot of fun. We're going to see where all this goes. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm just excited. Like I want the draft to start. So hopefully... You're listening to this. It's not too much longer, so you don't have to wait as long as I am right now. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. There you go. All about Eric Bledsoe and the picks and the protections on that. What's the schedule going to look like? Who's on the coaching staff next year? And then, of course, the draft. Enjoy it. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. and will be back with you all tomorrow to recap the draft and break down who the Pelicans pick.